What we saw was what could happen if we were a bit more collaborative here. It was something that we were winning the market with. You know, the, the, the proof is in the results, right? And we were able to show that we were able to continue growth by having more of that collaborative ethos. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. My guest today is Camille Grady, CMO of Bushel, an ERP integrated platform and app that supports ag businesses to connect more efficiently. Their focus is on strengthening the relationship between agribusiness and farmer. Camille, welcome. Thanks, Carol. Glad to be here today. Well, I'm glad to have you. I have not been had the opportunity to interview too many female CXOs, so I'm always delighted when I have one. So you joined a company by the name of Myriad Mobile in early 2014 as their VP of Marketing and Customer Success. They were a web, a mobile web development company, and they were founded in 2011. Then in May of 2017, the company went through a pivot and became Bushel. And then you became their CMO, their chief marketing officer, uh, just about a year ago. Tell me that story. Yeah, yeah. So when I came into the company in early 2014, we were Myriad Mobile. And what we were doing at that time is we were focused on custom software development. So gun for hire uh, for mm-hmm. you know any company that was looking to build out specifically mobile. So that was really our um, unique value proposition at that time. And remember in you know, 2011, when the, the company was formed, that was the time you know, tablets, iPads, things like that mm-hmm. were just really starting to be um, used more or come to mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of businesses were really starting to f- you know, explore and figure out how are we using mobile devices for our business operations. And so that's really where we started. Along the way, you know, we had always considered or talked about what would it be like if we were a, a product company? Because as you might guess, the, the, the revenues from a services company, mm-hmm. it, it's always your next project, right? Right. And so from a, from a business model perspective, we had always, you know, kept our eyes open, kind of looking around and seeing what would be a way that we could enter the product realm with our own product and bring it to market. And that's really what we did in mid-2017 with Bushel. So before Bushel was the company, Bushel was just the product. And we we went to market with that in 2017. Mm-hmm. And how that happened was it just was a really organic uh, journey to focus within agriculture. We're headquartered in Fargo, North Dakota, which is one of the most productive uh, areas in the world in terms of agriculture. Right. And so we had a lot of companies coming to us from the, the custom software and services side, you know, working with them to develop some of these applications. And then along the way, we started to see some opportunities, particularly in the grain industry and the grain industry really needing some type of product or tool to help uh, the communication at, between the, the grain elevator cooperative egg retailer and the farmer. So that a farmer could, you know, more easily see their account information. Mm-hmm. And so we we went, first went to market with uh, the Bushel Mobile app, our kind of flagship product, mm-hmm. in mid 2017. And then from there, it was kind of off to the races. So, so it, you know, as we said, the company was founded in 2017. You took your A round in May of 18, B round in December of 2019, and you closed your C round in April of this year for a total of about $75 million in institutional investment. What is it about Bushel that has your investors excited? And is, would you say the majority of your investors are you know, large grain companies and agri-companies? 
Yeah, the the majority of our investors are in, you know, involved within the agriculture industry. Mm -hmm. So they're focused on, you know, connecting the dots that all, you know, a lot of the dots that currently are kind of siloed within the agriculture industry today. And so, you know, I think what was most interesting for our investors about Bushel is that we were focused and continue to be focused on building the digital infrastructure is what we call it for the grain industry. And how we talk about digital infrastructure is we compare it to the physical infrastructure that was built in the United States, you know, hundreds of years ago. And that physical infrastructure made the United States the most competitive country in the world as it relates to, you know, being able to sell commodities overseas. That infrastructure was a competitive advantage. And at Bushel, we believe that building the digital infrastructure is going to add another advantage to that. So being able to take some of these disparate systems and connect them and standardize them um, was a really interesting strategy for our investors. And there was really no one else doing it. Good. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, our particular approach um, in, 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 you know, how we really did that initially was, again, we had found a solution for a pain point. You know, mm-hmm. we've been tracking egg tech for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our uh, one of our founders, Ryan, he had come to market with a farm management system 10 years ago. <laughs> and you know, brought it to market, you know, got a little traction and he eventually ended up selling it off. And so our, our co-founders had some experience in the product realm, you know, as we were getting the services mm-hmm. company up and going. Um, but as we were first going to market with it, we, we found this product that we could bring to market that was actually solving a problem. And that problem was that it was really difficult for the farmer to be able to see their account information with their local grain facility, cooperative egg retailer processor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I know we'll talk about this later too, but our business model with Bushel has really been B to B to B. So, um, and, and I didn't put C at the end because a lot of times companies will talk about this B to B to C with, you know, business to business right. to, to farmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and they put the farmer as consumer, but that's a, that is another business. These are multi-million dollar operations. They are they are not the consumer. They are another business. Right. Um, and, and so we were able to 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 build that build value uh, through some of our digital tools for that B two B two B chain. So when you say it, it allows the platform allows the farmer to see their account, what is it in their account that they're able to now have visibility into? Yeah, so the 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 first kind of uh, value prop that really resonated was the farmer being able to see their scale tickets in real time. So anytime a farmer is bringing a commodity, their their grain mm-hmm. into their local elevator, whether they're fulfilling a contract or they're 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 bringing it in and they're spot contracting, they get a scale ticket that confirms you know how much was delivered, the different um, grading metrics that might be on there. And then they'd usually have to tally those scale tickets afterwards to kind of get a tally of how much they've delivered and how much might be left on a contract. So the scale ticket was the first thing. The second thing was just their grain contracts that they had with the local grain facility. How much do they have left to deliver? You know, had they been paid out on it yet? All of those things, they were, they were, they had to call the grain elevator in order to check on those things before. Or they were taking, in the case of the scale ticket, they were taking something that had kind of already been digitized, right? Because the scale interface had Mm -hmm. some type of way of garnering that information from the truck delivery. And then it was spitting it out on a piece of paper. And then the farmer would have to re-digitize it. So we really focused on how do you eliminate that that paper and make it easier for that account information to be surfaced and seen mm-hmm. by the parties that need to to see it both the, the grain elevator and the farmer so looking at the biggest problem that you're solving for your clients is the client the farmer is it the company they're selling to is it both uh so our customer, our primary customer mm-hmm. is that agribusiness, that, that grain elevator, cooperative, okay. egg retailer. They are the ones who are 
purchasing Bushel software. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a software as a service business right. model. They're the ones who are subscribing to the software. And in the, in the case of our mobile product, the, the grain elevator then is able to put a branded app in the app store that the farmer can then download for free. And of course, they all have a cell phone. Right, right. Uh, the, the, and the, yeah, the, the, the majority of them do. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we just saw it as a way to, to scale bringing this software to market and to ultimately, again, reach that farmer and provide that value to them. But what were the kind of pinch points in that grain supply chain where we could work with a smaller subset of customers to reach a larger subset of users? And it was really around that grain elevator ag retailer uh, segment that we were able to focus on. And again, first, it's got to add value to them, right? Yes. Um, In order for them to be able to deploy it to their farmers. And so... Again, from day one, our, you know, our kind of ethos has been that we're strengthening the relationship between that, that grain facility and that farmer. And that's held true today. Um, we, we didn't feel like this was necessarily a, a space that needed all of this disruption. The egg supply chain is actually pretty efficient. And I would even argue that from the farmer side that they're actually pretty efficient too. And so what were the ways that just we're not uncovered at this point and that, you know, it's still a very paper heavy business and industry. So what were some ways that we could help, you know, move away from that a little bit and add value through some of these digital tool sets? Yeah, that's really interesting. Bushel has acquired two companies this year. Tell me a little bit about the companies that you've acquired and why. Yeah. So in June of 2021, we acquired a company called Farmlogs. So Farmlogs has a, a, a very similar kind of origin story from Bushel or to, to Bushel as well. Um, co-founders Jesse Vollmer and Brad Koch, they both started farm. They, I, they were first doing a, like a consulting business. So they were doing kind of IT consulting. And then uh, Jesse is one of those farm kids that I talked about earlier. And he really saw the need for some of the on-farm uh, activities to be digitized. So in 2011, FarmLogs forms, um, and they, they're a farm management system uh, that is selling direct to the farmer. So that that's their business model is that it's a SaaS subscription mm-hmm. the farmer is paying for. Okay. So we acquired them this year because one of the things that we're really seeing is, you know, phase one of Bushel was really, again, provide these tools to grain elevator and farmer to help strengthen that relationship. Phase two is how can that farmer then start putting in the needed information to get a holistic view of their operation? And how we're viewing farm logs is it's, it, you know, we're, we're kind of calling it the operating system for the farm. And so there could be multiple data inputs coming in uh, into farm logs to help feed in that information to show the, you know, the, the P&L on the farm or some of the, the inputs that are being um, a, a applied within the farming operation. And so Bushel being able to uh, properly permission, you know, if the farmer wants their grain elevator uh, information to go into their farm logs platform, they can do that. Um, if they want their machine data integrations to go into their uh you know, farm logs account, they can do that. So getting a centralized spot that farmers can properly permission in the right data points to paint a more holistic picture of their operation. We just really felt that if if we had a, a, a platform like farm logs that was a part of Bushel, we could help accelerate that vision. There've been a lot of partnerships within agriculture over the last 10 years in ag tech. And some of them are really successful, but partnerships are hard. They're a lot of work. It takes dedication and effort from both sides, and it has to remain a priority for both sides. And what and we were just able to see uh, there was a, a a window of opportunity that presented itself where, you know, Farm Logs was interested in 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 joining the the vision that Bushel had of connecting this digital infrastructure, and so it was just good timing to help kind of continue to manifest this vision for us. So the team yep. at Farm Logs, have you kept, how many were there in the company and how many have you kept on? Yeah, we, we kept all of them. There were just a handful of team members okay. at that time. 
Uh, and we did keep all of them on, Great. Uh, which okay. we were really excited about. And they've all been just fantastic teammates. And they're, uh, the thing that I've just been so impressed about is their passion for the farmer. And mm. we certainly, of course, have that too at Bushel, right? Like I said, a lot of us are farm kids. Our families right. are farming. Um, but our primary buyer is the, our primary customer is that grain elevator. Right. Um, the farmer gets benefit. And so getting this, this, you know, kind of counterbalance or additive, um, passion for the farmer was something that's, is something that's just been really, really enjoyable. That's great. What, uh, what are the founders, the founders of FarmLog doing for Bushel now? What, what roles are they in? Yeah. So Jesse, uh, he is our VP of farm strategy. So okay. he is really taking the, that, that product portfolio of farm logs and leading that. And then, uh, Brad, um, from the engineering side is, is leading the engineering efforts on the farm logs platform. Very good. And so, so tell me a little bit about the other company that you acquired. Yeah. So that's, this is the most recent one grain bridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, we closed this acquisition in October of 2021. Um, and you know what I'll what I'll also mention about that is as we were doing our planning and strategy for 2021, neither mm. of these acquisitions were necessarily on the table at that time. Interesting. It was opportunities presented themselves. You know, we we always are keeping our finger on the pulse of the ag tech industry and what's going mm -hmm. on. Um, but you know, it wasn't necessarily like we knew it was going to happen in 2021. Maybe later, right? Maybe this was something that was mm -hmm. going to happen later. Um, but the, again, the timing just seemed right. Um, and we were able to put together a structure that worked for all parties involved, mutually mm -hmm. beneficial for all involved. So we, we acquired Grainbridge and Grainbridge, uh, was originally started in, uh, about 2008. Um, you know, it was privately funded, privately held for quite some time. And then in 2018, a ADM and Cargill came together and joined, uh, formed a joint venture for Grainbridge. And so, you know, there was a lot of effort and focus on that, um, you know, to, to build out that joint venture. And Grainbridge originally was really focused, they had a tool, they have a tool still called Grainbridge Advisor. And it was a way for, you know, grain brokers to advise their customers on, you know, different uh, uh, selling strategies within the, the, the grain markets. So it was, it was an advisement tool. And then when the joint venture came together with Grainbridge, ADM, and Cargill, it was a very similar approach to what Bushel was taking with our grain customers. So being able to have that, um, that mobile uh, and web experience for the farmer to go in and see their account information um, and learn more about how they're performing. Where GrainBridge was really focused was on more of the, we call it data refinery. And so they were really starting to get into more of the, 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 the data science of grain marketing and how different data points and just you know, farmers being aware of some of the different data elements and, you know, building more educational resources around grain marketing, how that could help improve margins um, for the farmer. And so it was, they were further ahead on some of those data science uh, capabilities. And, you know, again, it was a very similar type of strategy in the market. It's just that GrainBridge was really focused on ADM and Cargill. Those were their two main, you know, essentially customers, mm -hmm. whereas Bushel had, you know, has about 210 unique customers, Got it. you know, okay. going at 2000 plus different grain receiving locations across mm -hmm. the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, had good talks with, uh, of course, the Grainbridge team and then ADM and Cargill and came to a conclusion that, hey, this might be one of those opportunities where, um, you know, all boats rise with the, you know, the, right. the, the, the tide, tide rises with the boat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The tide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. However that, that goes. That really, yeah. <laughs> um, and so again, it was just good timing and it, 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 it's another thing that really showed me, um, you know, agriculture is big. It's a really big industry, mm -hmm. but it's also really, really small. And the relationships that we've been able to form over the last several years have been really critical. And a lot of that came from 
you know, I think Bushel having this very collaborative approach within the industry, I talked about this earlier a little bit, you know, this, you know, not disruptive for disruptive sake, but I, I think what we saw was actually what, what could happen if we were a bit more collaborative here? Um, and I think that's ultimately what, you know, ADM and Cargill saw, of course, but I think that's also what our investors saw is that we were leaning into this kind of, you know, let, let's call it Midwest sensible collaboration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some naivete in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that, you know, we were, we were winning the market with. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the proof is in the results, right. And we were able to show that we were able to continue growth, mm-hmm. um, by having more of that collaborative ethos. Mm-hmm. How many employees were with Grainbridge and did you keep all of them as well? Um, they were around 18 employees and we did keep most of them on as well. Um, mm-hmm. Um, with any acquisition, there's always, you know, the opportunity for uh, team members to pursue opportunity, you know, other mm-hmm. opportunities, or uh, maybe they've been through an acquisition before, and that's not necessarily what they're signing up for. But we were able yeah. to keep most of the team, which was really, really great for us. One of the biggest challenges, Camille, for companies when they acquire is meshing the cultures. Did you find, were there any challenges uh, between, you know, differences between your culture and the other two companies or even between themselves, right? And you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, no critical differences. Um, Farm logs, I think was just, you know, very cut from the same cloth, you know, independently owned like Bushel, very similar origin story. Like I talked about earlier, Sure. Um, you know, founded in, um, you know, egg country area uh, in Michigan. And so I think there were just some, you know, cultural values there that very much aligned. And then Grainbridge too, a little bit of a different structure, right? Because it had been private and then it went to, into this joint venture, with a publicly traded company and a private company. So it was a little bit different, but still really sensing that, you know, tie to agriculture and, you know, deep uh, dedication by the team to solving some of these, uh, you know, fundamental issues within agriculture, you know, lack of digitization, lack of standardization, lack of, you know, the, 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 the use the owners or the creators of data points to be able to properly permission it out to places where they want to permission it out to. Um, and I keep, I keep comparing it to, you know, it, it just felt like overall, I, I always make this comparison of, you know, does their moral compass point the same due North as yours? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and I really felt that in both of those, um, acquisitions with the team members there, there was very much that same, true north moral compass pointing in both of them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to step back a little bit and talk to you about your journey, uh, really to Myriad Mobile and into marketing and customer success, because prior to that, you really spent your career in nonprofits, not doing that kind of work. Yeah. So how did that, so tell us a little bit about, about that background and what you did and, and how, you know, how, how do you make a pivot into marketing without having that experience? Yeah. So I did spend the early part of my career doing uh, fundraising and development for a couple mm-hmm. of nonprofits, public broadcasting station, regional mm-hmm. accredited art museum, and then a regional chamber of commerce. And, you know, in the fundraising and development realm uh, of the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. that really is your marketing arm. Uh. Those are the strategies that you are activating and deploying to mm-hmm. increase your revenue, to make the sale, essentially. And so while, you know, I, I wasn't making that connection initially in my career, mm-hmm. it became pretty obvious that a lot of the, 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 the tactics, the strategies that I was doing, they were really just all marketing related. Um, and then the, the communications side of that also came in. Uh, very naturally, particularly in running some of the the leadership programs and mm-hmm. events at the the Chamber of Commerce. So I, I felt like even though it wasn't like a one to one direct comparison, I definitely had the fundamentals that I had mm-hmm. you know learned early on, the customer experience side then mm-hmm. as well, and that was something that you know we started to form 
as as we continued to go to market with our uh, bushel products. So we needed those customer success managers to help onboard, um, you know, the products and tools for our customers. And so that was really the 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 new thing that I hadn't done before. I hadn't built out a customer experience team. Uh, so that took mm-hmm. just a lot of, you know, reaching out to network and getting connected with folks who had, you know, kind of been there, done that. And, you know, thankfully had a lot of good people who were gracious enough to give me some, some tips and pointers along the way to help build that out. What would you say the biggest challenges were for you, um, leaving the nonprofit world for Marriott mobile? Uh, so the, um, so I went from these nonprofits who you are just constantly, uh, bootstrapping yep. everything, yep. right? So you're always treading yeah, water, I mean, <laughs> always treading water. And then you go to a startup who is always bootstrapping everything and always treading water. But the difference was it was, it was more so going into a technology company yeah, and just the way that they used, um, uh, tools to be efficient in how we were doing our work. Um, I remember I had, I had, this, this is like a small example, but I had been using, you know, G suite or, you know, Google Mm -hmm. workspace that they call today. Mm -hmm. I had been using their, um, collaboration tools with some of the work that I had done at the chamber of commerce and the nonprofits Mm -hmm. because I had to collaborate with a lot of different volunteers and I needed a more efficient way to collaborate on some of these spreadsheets or documents. And so I just started using those on my own. But it was just a very clunky, like internally at some of those nonprofits, it was just a very clunky, not using the most modern um, software. And then going into Myriad at the time, now Bushel, it was um, it, it was like night and day. I mean, to the point of uh, they didn't want paper um, that they didn't want paper anywhere. Like all notes are going to be on your laptop. And it was, it was a little hard at first to make that transition. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, I think it was more so like the tooling of it all, uh, and some of those efficiency tools for just getting your, your job done, which has been really great. Um, and you know, we've continued to accelerate that, you know, with our teams as well. Mm -hmm. How do you typically find your customers, your prospects? Or how do they find you? Yeah. So, you know, we have, we have a very defined market. Um, you know, we're focused within the grain industry for that flagship right. offering mm-hmm. that we have. And so, you know, we, we, we kind of know who our target market is. It's, it's grain elevators, ag retailers, mm-hmm. cooperatives, uh, processors, cr- you know, so, you know, soy crushing plants. We know who the target market is. Um, and so we can really track to that. But then, as I mentioned earlier, um, about the importance of relationships, you know, getting involved in the industry beyond just showing up at a trade show or an event, but getting involved in some of the industry associations and, you know, hearing firsthand about some of the the pain points that these customers might have has also been uh, something that's been really valuable. So, you know, we, we, we do your, you know, um, fundamental marketing activities around content marketing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, demand gen marketing, uh, different, you know, webinars or events that we've done, but then where we have really found, um, where we found it to be really helpful is when we were doing more (laughs) in-person type things, uh, showing up and meeting some of these prospects and customers um, in person. So some of the bigger trade shows and associations where we had the opportunity to talk with them mm-hmm. um, was was really helpful in those in those early um, early couple of years. Mm-hmm. Are, are you back to in person uh, events like that? Not since uh, you mentioned it. Yeah, for the most part, um, the grain industry certainly seems to have opened up all in-person events. Um, probably midsummer is when I saw that tide shift mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. So Bushel has about 240 employees now. What would you say are, are the biggest challenges that you're facing? Just general challenges as well as employment challenges. We hear a lot about that on the news these days. 
Yeah. You know, I, when you said challenges, my, my first thought, you know, of course went to, uh, you know, employment challenges. I think every business is feeling that right now. Mm -hmm. One of the, you know, silver linings, right? Because if we had to do it all over again, we certainly wouldn't have picked to go through a global pandemic, but here we are. Um, so let's, let's look at some of the silver linings. Um, it, it showed us, you know, most of our team was located in Fargo, North Dakota prior Mm -hmm. to the pandemic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a goal. We really wanted to build the company in Fargo. Um, we believe that Fargo is an, uh, egg tech hotbed Mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, then COVID hits and all of a sudden we all realize that we can still be productive remotely. Yeah. Very good. That was a a bit of a game changer for us in opening up some of the, you know, other areas around the United States to bring in team members. And today, I think I just heard the the stat were around between 20, 23%, I think of our team is not headquartered in uh, Fargo. That's fantastic. You know, I think other challenges that we face is, you know, we, we continue to talk about, um, you know, the, the need for this digital infrastructure within the grain industry, which can at times feel like a, a bit of a, you know, nebulous thing. And so continuing to hone that in and have, you know, our, our key audiences understand what that is, mm-hmm. um, is important. But I, I think it, it, it goes around, you know, we are really trying to bring this idea of, um, you know, the proper permissioning of data points to the appropriate people on the egg supply chain. How do we make this easier for people so that, you know, 95% of farmers who are getting paid today for their grain are getting paid in a paper check? How does that become, you know, a more digitized thing? And so bringing people along to some of the realities that exist today, like I, I think some people won't necessarily believe you that some of these things are still very, uh, paper-based and and antiquated. No, I, Um, I, given what I do, it wouldn't surprise me a bit that it's still that way. It's that way, it's that way in the insurance industry so much, you know, a lot of it's getting better, but yeah. Yep. And so, so bringing people along that, that journey and that mutual understanding of Mm -hmm. a, you know, do, do we admit that it's an issue and B, do we, acknowledge that we can, we can do something about it again, Mm -hmm. by leaning into that more collaborative nature and spirit. Right. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. Do you get a paper check every two weeks or is it, do you have direct deposit? (laughs) That is direct deposit. (laughs) There you go. So they're practicing what they're preaching at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if I were to, to, you know, ask either, Jake or Ryan, and, and hopefully you can speak for them. If I had, were talking to either of them and asked them what they feel the biggest mistakes they've made as leaders have been in, you know, since the pivot to Bushel, what, what do you think they'd say and what yeah. they've done to fix it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, biggest mistakes, I think they would say that you know, they've, they've certainly learned (laughs) from any of them. Um, but uh, one, one thing that, you know, but before I go into like what they would probably say, I think one thing that I've really been impressed with Jake and Ryan about is they really try and help other entrepreneurs not make the same mistakes that they made. You know, there's certainly like different company structures Mm -hmm. or, you know, early on when they were starting out, they had, you know, different people that were, you know, part of the, uh, um, the ownership structure and that they didn't yeah. do anything. But then mm-hmm. like, you know, Jake and Ryan early on, they were, you know, in their early twenties and they're having to write these at that time, significant checks to buy out people from the business because they just didn't know how to do these business structures. Um, and so they're trying to carry that message along. Yeah, that's very common, by the way, among some of the founders that I interview. They're very yeah. good. They really want to give back and help other founders. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, they they would say, you know, hiring 
Um, it, it always feels like, I think we all feel like we're not hiring quick enough, like not being able to make that decision quicker, particularly with some of the key strategic hires. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the consistent things I've heard is like, we should have did, we should have done this six months ago. Um, but, and it, but yet it always still feels early. So there's, Mm -hmm. it's this weird paradox that we should have done it six months ago, but it still feels like we're early in doing it. Also very common. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Knowing when to do that. Yeah. You know, you don't want to hire too early. I, I, I just re-interviewed a founder, um, last week. Uh, because their a company was acquired and from the first interview. He said they're always, they always feel like they're behind the curve because they don't want to hire too early and then have to lay someone off. Yes. Yes. I mean, that that's a real thing, right? Yes, because it's a real thing. It's, it, particularly in, you know, we're a 240 person company. Right. This is, this isn't a number on a spreadsheet. Like, you right. know, the person that you would potentially have to, you Let know, go. exit from the organization. Mm-hmm. And so that, that puts a different, you know, feeling towards it. And so, right, you know, rightfully so that some of those thoughts, you know, might, might delay us a little bit from mm-hmm. making those decisions. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier on that there's really nobody that was doing what Bushel's doing. <laughs> Is there now? And, and why was that? I mean, you know, what, yeah. what, what's the competitive landscape look like in your industry at this point? Yeah, it it still seems to me that in terms of this digital infrastructure within the grain industry, I'm, I'm not seeing, you know, a, another company take that approach or position. I'm seeing some, you know, me too type of products in the mm-hmm. space that are almost more like point solution ish where bushel is more looking at that holistic end to end type of mm-hmm. solution. Um, you know, some of that is certainly happening because, you know, once a com- you know, once, once you've paved the path mm-hmm. as a company and you show others how it's done, you're certainly going to have some, some folks come in and, mm-hmm. you know, some competition is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. It, I think it helps focus us as a company. Um, and I think it helps push us too. And so, you know, that, that, you know, th- there's some healthy competition that, you know, certainly pushes us to you know, really start to think about and uh, move forward what we think is most important for our customer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we're talking about uh, employees and hiring, I'd like to talk a little bit about the leadership team of the company. And there are about 14, if you look at leadership from the VP and above. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the C-suite, there are five of you, of which 20% are female. <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> if you look at the 14 leadership, you know, members of the leadership team all together, three of those are women. That's pretty, that's, you know, as a woman, I would say fairly bleak numbers. Mm-hmm. If I were interviewing your co-founders, I would be beating them up about this a little bit more, but you know, tell me a little bit about that. Um, you know, and, and those faces are pretty much all white. You know, I don't want somebody to beat me up over, oh, critical race theory and, you know, all that. But, you know, I don't know if there's just no diversity in your business, you know, in agriculture. I mean, I know that's not really true, I don't think. You know, or, you know, what what the reasons are behind that. If, if the company's making effort to bring in more women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely is a focus and it's, it's not just women in leadership. It's all diverse types within leadership. Right. Um, we, 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 we have a dedicated focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Bushel. Okay. Great. And so while we're not at where we, you know, should be today, we mm-hmm. are certainly staying focused on it. And, you know, the, the, the probably sad part of the story is, Bushel probably has one of the more diverse teams in your within industry. Ag tech. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot of leadership teams that, you know, don't have even a female right. on them. And, and that doesn't and surprise so, me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, is it a, it, to me, it doesn't seem like it's a pipeline issue. You know, I see studies saying more women are graduating from agriculture programs mm-hmm. than men at the you know, more yeah. women graduating from, you know, 
you know, four-year universities. That's right. And and so it it certainly doesn't seem to be a pipeline issue, although, you know, it takes time for you to, to, to get into those leadership positions. So maybe there's a bit of a lag there. Um, But where we've spent time recently with our company is, um, you know, is it a retention issue? Um, within organizations, you know, I've got a, just a whip smart team member. She's early on in her career, maybe four or five years in. And I keep saying, I want to work for her one day. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, she made, she made a really good point. And she said, people go to where they're invited, but they stay where they're welcome. That's really interesting. And so how are we, you know, of course, it's how are we making sure that we're inviting diverse populations to the table? Mm-hmm. And then what are we doing to keep them here? Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's a worthy focus and, you know, challenge for us. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. part of that, like I said, we were, we were going to try and keep headquartered in Fargo and grow the team here. And it is a, you know, a bit of a homogenistic, um, makeup here right. in the Dakotas, um, in Northern Minnesota. Yeah. And so as we've been able to hire across the United States, we've mm-hmm. been able to increase our diversity, which has yes. been incredible. Yes. Yeah. Great. That's, I mean, that's, that's really fantastic that you're doing that. And that's, and that's the beauty of being able to say, I, I mean, like you said, there's your silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, the reality is you're in North Dakota. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of diversity there, mm-hmm. you know, where you are, but the opportunity to be able to go outside of there and hire the best people and actually recruit, you know, when you talk about getting the diversity and then retaining that diversity, I mean, those are two of the four things that companies, companies need to do to become talent centric, right? You have to, you have to one, be aligned yep. and then you have to recruit the right people. You have to retain the right people. And, and, and part of that retention is succession planning Yep, and leadership development. I mean, those are the subsets of that. So how do you, you know, how do you keep someone like this? Well, you ask her, how long do you want to work here? To, what do we need to do to keep you here? You become a, you become a culture of feedback. What, what do we need to do to make you feel included. That's right. Companies don't, don't ask those questions and they need to start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is one thing I'm, you know, really proud of Bushel for, mm-hmm. for leaning into that conversation internally. We just, we mm-hmm. did an offsite, um, for our, our executive leadership team, mm-hmm. um, last week. And, you know, one of the topics we talked about was diversity within the company. And, you know, what are some of the action steps that we can take to, Mm -hmm. you know, first have the dialogue. We ended up doing a town hall um, with our entire company to talk about some of the the challenges around diversity in the organization with Mm -hmm. certain, you know, demographics. And so it it takes having that dialogue and first Mm -hmm. acknowledging it. Um, So... It's, it's, it's always, um, an ongoing discussion. It, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to take one thing to solve it, no, but no. it has to, it has to be on the radar and on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Well, because that conversation will worry some of your people Yep, that they're going to be out yeah. because they're the wrong gender and they're the wrong color. Right. And, and that yeah. can be very threatening, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, how, do, how does a company do that to make up the diversity of what our country actually looks like as a mm-hmm. country, yeah. right? So that's really, it's really great that you're taking steps to do that. Is there anything about your industry that bugs you <laughs> <laughs> or any things, plural? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if there's, you know, necessarily anything that, that bugs me. I think, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a segment that is skeptical of, you know, and it's, it's not just technology, but anything new. And, and I get that. I a hundred percent get that. Um, because if we think about, 
you know, agriculture in the U.S., particularly in the, the the northern climates, which is where I grew up, and so I'm most familiar with that kind, you know, that um, production cycle. As as farmers, you get one shot a year, right? That, that's right. it. Mm-hmm. You know, you right. you have your 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 planting plans, you have your prescriptions that you're going to be putting on, you have your agronomic um, right. plans that you're that are in you know in conjunction with it, but that's it. And so if somebody is coming in and selling you something that is, you know, going to magically improve your yield or magically decrease your your, your costs or something. The panacea, the promise of a panacea. Yeah. Yeah. It it better work. Yeah. Because, you know, most farmers, they get 45, 50 shots at this ever. Yeah. So it better work. And so I, I, I can appreciate the skepticism. I get it. I think the other... The other thing that bugs me a bit, um, it's funny. I said, well, there's nothing that really bugs me, but here are two things (laughs) Um, is there's been this viewpoint that farmers are adverse to adopting technology. Right. Yeah. And we at Bushel just fundamentally don't believe it. We believe that if they have been adverse, it's because a, they just don't understand the value. The value has not been presented in a way no, that right. is they haven't had the right value prop. That's exactly right. Yep. yep. It is helpful to them. You know, B, they, they, they don't need it. Like it's, it's only additive. It's, it's not, um, it's not actually changing anything for them. And so it's on, you know, particularly as we talk ag tech within, you know, the agriculture industry, it's on the ag tech companies to be able to provide and bring products to market that are, that A, add the value, right? Is it increasing revenue? Is it decreasing risk? Is it increasing operational efficiencies? Is it easy to use? I mean, fundamentally, is it easy to use or is it this horribly designed thing Mm -hmm. from, you know, that hasn't been updated since, the yeah. early to mid nineties. So farmers are not adverse to technology. I, I just think they like, they are going to use it if they find value in it and it's yeah. easy to use. And we have I, certainly found that hypothesis to be true yeah. with, with the products from Bushel that we've brought to mm-hmm. the market. Yeah. You know, I, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, most people are willing to use technology if it's user-friendly. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's how Apple was built on being user-friendly. And I think that, you know, I use technology all day long. I have numbers of different technologies I use. I also have complicated technologies that I hire people to deal with because I need to use them, but I want nothing to do with them. Yeah. Oh, that's somebody use your genius so I can keep using my genius somewhere else. Yes. That brings up a good point in, in one of the go-to-market strategies that Mm -hmm. we deployed with Bushel was, Mm -hmm in our customer success team, working with our, you know, grain elevator customers and right. working hand in hand with them, you know, not just handing them a training manual, but working hand in hand with them to help onboard to our products and mm-hmm. then help them deploy and onboard their farmers to the products. So I think that, you know, kind of, can, you know, elevated level of account management mm-hmm. and education Mm-hmm. was something that really helped us get, um, you know, an, a, a really uh, good head start in the market as well. We knew mm-hmm. that it, you know, okay, deploy the thing well, but you need the proper onboarding um, and education that goes with just deploying the thing. Right. So where where do you see Bushel investing in resources here over the next year? Yeah, so... We've got a couple of things that um, you know we're we're looking out into, and one of them is really around the the, the fintech, so the financial technology mm-hmm. space, and continuing to take that you know buyer and seller of grain journey, okay. you know from you know beginning to end, and be able to have that um, uh, payment process or settlement process become more digitized. As I said earlier, mm-hmm. that you know. A, a big majority right. of um, these settlements are happening in paper checks. So, you know, continuing Boy. to invest. Yeah. <laughs> I rarely get a check from anyone, any of my clients anymore, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, so continuing to invest in that and then continuing to, you know, really hone in our focus. What, what was interesting Mm -hmm. as, you know, I, I talk about this early journey of Myriad, we were doing custom development Mm -hmm. across multiple industries and then organically we started, you know, getting more and more projects in the agriculture space and, you know, there, and then we made the conscious decision, we're going to focus only on agriculture and at that time we thought, okay, we hopefully this, the, the well doesn't dry up and, you know, we're focusing too narrowly. And it was the opposite. That mm-hmm. focus gave us the opportunity um, to go so much deeper and really become um, more well-versed within the agriculture industry to provide that value. And so as we think about that, what is that next level of focus look like at bushel for, for us right. so that we can continue to go, you know, we're going to, we're going to go wide in some areas, but we're going to go deep in others. Um, mm-hmm. and so continuing to have those strategic discussions at a leadership level, um, it, it it's going to be really fun, um, but a challenge as well. So Camille, if, if somebody listening is thinking, wow, this company sounds great and guess what? I don't live in Fargo. So maybe they're interested in, in talking to me. What would you suggest they do? So first go to our website, uh, bushelpowered.com. Okay. Uh, lots of ways to get in contact with us there and lots of ways to check us out and learn a little bit more about us too. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely check out there. You know, we've, we've done several, um, you know, we're involved in a lot of different things within the industry as well. Mm-hmm. So you'll probably see us pop up here and there. And like I mentioned earlier too, um, we are expanding our team across the U S. Um, and that is certainly helping us as we talked about earlier too, uh, with bringing on diverse team members. So we're Mm -hmm. excited about that. That's really great. Well, Camille Grady, CMO, uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Bushel, headquartered in Fargo, North Dakota. It has just been a delight to speak with you. And I thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Carol. This was a lot of fun uh, to talk with you today. So appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.